Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. I, I, I'm going to throw something out there. If, uh, even if you identify as a Laravel developer, you know, not as a PHP developer even or a web developer, but like specifically as a Laravel developer, I think there's some benefit to keeping your horizons a little broader. Um, and what I mean by that is reading, being interested in, looking into other things outside of your direct day-to-day work. And I know, Aaron, you and I maybe even have a little <laughs> slight difference of opinion on this, but uh, it could make for a good good discussion. I don't know if it's a difference of opinion. I think it's a difference of timing. Okay. All right. So, well, so- when do you think people should start start looking at other things besides, you know, learning mm. about Laravel and becoming good at it? Yeah, I, I get where your your question comes from, which is like, if you study twenty different things at once as a beginner, like you'll make no progress in any direction. So yeah, there is there is some balance to it. Like I, I do think um, that you could spread yourself too thin. Um, so maybe I'll start by kind of clarifying what I have in mind specifically because it's not even really about like programming in 12 different languages or anything weird like that, but just the idea of being curious and kind of seeing what other communities of people are doing. Mm-hmm. And I will, um, just to, to acknowledge your, your question and your point, I, I do think this is something that becomes more valuable the more established you get into a single technology stack. You know, So probably <laughs> if it's your first 100 days of coding, uh, this may apply less than if it's like your fifth or sixth year uh, doing right. Laravel development. So this this is kind of I've bumped into this a few different ways in my life, and and I've looking back, I see where it's been beneficial, and so I'll just maybe share a couple of different examples of this. One, it has to do with conferences, right? So uh, we attend a conference, we tend to go to things we're interested in, things that we think will have value in our in our day job, so to speak, make us better programmers, make us more efficient, um, and that can kind of narrow our focus. So even the choice of what conference to go to. I love Laracon and I will go to the next one that's in person, but, um, you know, would there be benefit in going to a general, you know, full stack web dev conference? And then if you go to that, like, what about sitting in on a talk that's on Ruby on Rails? Like, is there any benefit to that? And I'm asking this rhetorically, but the answer to me at least has been yes. Um, in particular, there was a, a conference called CodeMash that had all sorts of different languages and uh and it was such a huge conference i think at any one point there was maybe 10 talks you could choose from mm-hmm. uh, so just to put it in perspective and you know occasionally there'd be a, a time slot where like none of the talks jumped out at me and just for fun i would go to something so completely off my radar that i didn't think i would ever use it and i, I was always surprised like there was something i could use from that so maybe i'll pause there and let you react to that aaron if you think uh if you think differently about that at all. So do you think the useful things were making you a better, well-rounded developer in general, or did they actually apply to your Laravel projects you'd come back and work on? Yeah. And um, so just to frame it in the context of history, I think when I went to CodeMash, this might've been before Laravel existed, or at least before I was using it. But but to your point, um, it was more just like general concepts and ideas. And it wasn't necessarily like, ooh, I'm going to try to like write my PHP code to be more like, you know, Erlang code or something like that. 
I, I think you can definitely go down a wrong path trying to do stuff like that. But it was like, wow, I, I never thought about this way of testing or um, that's a really cool tool. I didn't even think you could do that uh, in a programming language. And it just sort of inspired ideas and um, it also made things more enjoyable. Just I, I think there is some benefit in just being curious and seeing what's out there. Yeah, I think I can put that in a kind of a um, more concrete example. Okay. Um, I, I think that one of the things that cert, like in, in, in rare cases, when you have to use, let's just say multiple requests to like a third party and mm-hmm. they have to happen in real time. Yeah. Uh, before the languages kind of started mixing with each other a little bit and <laughs> learning from each other, the only really thing you had in PHP was either synchronous. So one after another and just kind of wait. Or you could do like a PCNTL fork and fork out the, you know, little commands to run kind of at the same time mm-hmm. and come back. And that was, that was a bugger. Gives you respect for the people who do, you know, programming on the OS level. Yeah. But what we found then is after, you know, people became more familiar with how JavaScript handles promises and stuff. And all of a sudden you started having, uh, there's a PHP language that handles promises and therefore, you could then go and send out multiple um, requests and have them all promise-based. And they'd all return back, and you could handle that in the same way that you might mm-hmm. do something in JavaScript, but you're doing it in PHP. Yeah. I think the danger of something like that comes in, then people will be like, you know, a, a junior de- developer will be like, well, that means I can run stuff in promises, so I never have to use events. I never have yeah. to um, put stuff in the queue. Right. And, and that's, that's where I get a little concerned is to make sure we have the timing right when we suggest mm-hmm. people go and learn different things. Because I think learning different things can, is definitely the best way to do it. I mean, I learned I learned more unit testing from a Java book than I did from anything in PHP back in the day, right? Because there okay. just wasn't anything in PHP. Yeah. So I read, I read a huge book on Java unit testing. And let me tell you, it was hard. Uh, <laughs> but I, I learned how to then... I understood what that meant and I was able to apply that to PHP, but that was after seven, 10 years of programming Mm -hmm. in PHP. Um, I'm, I'm scared or I guess I'm reluctant to suggest that people do it. Like you said, like in your first hundred days or even when you've done a a few other big projects, I think the other thing that's kind of gone out of fashion, which I think was really useful in the earlier days of PHP was there used to be this sort of path that developers would take which kind of coincides a little bit with what you're talking about, but not so much, but we're missing a lot of that these days. And the path was learn how to do PHP just with functions, you know, um, functional PHP, um, then start learning what objects are and start applying that. Mm-hmm. Then make your own framework for your, your products. Mm-hmm. And then after you've done that, finally pick a framework that most people are using. And the, you know, that whole process there, although that sounds silly now and people just go like, oh, I'll just use Laravel because everyone's using it and it's great mm-hmm. and it works and everything. That whole process taught you a lot about PHP in general, more than you might learn just learning on, on Laravel to begin with. And so that's why I'm a little nervous when you, when we talk about this topic is like, sometimes you can have those people that are uh, like you, Joel, would like to sh- chase the shiny thing. Oh, I don't know um, what they, you're talking about. Yeah. And then they started <laughs> learning so many things and, and yeah. then forget then that, yeah, every language and every sort of framework has its own strengths, mm-hmm. but you don't know what those are until you actually use the language enough. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point. Um, and and I, I think the only, you have to be grounded in something 
to benefit from expanding your horizon. So if, if mm-hmm. you are completely new to it or just maybe not completely new to it, but like you even mentioned, if you don't have some experience doing a few different things, pro- projects in a language, you're not going to benefit by looking because you don't really have a frame of reference to be like, oh, that's a new idea because you haven't right. fully explored the ideas of the, of the language that you're, you're using day to day. But um, I, I was just thinking too, um, I, I, I see other people doing this where like they'll, they'll form an opinion about something without having played with it. And I, mm-hmm. I try to avoid doing that too. And this, this might even apply like within a language or framework ecosystem, you know? So for example, Aaron, you know, maybe we we've bumped into developers that like have never used Docker because it's, it's confusing or they they've heard it's makes things way too slow or there's a big learning curve and they just write it off. Whereas I would say, you know, play with it for a weekend, experiment with it, see, you know, just kind of broaden your horizons a little bit mm-hmm. um, to see if there's anything there worth pursuing. And maybe you'll come to the same conclusion and not use it, uh, but at least it'll be an informed opinion. Aaron, do you like candy? No. Have you ever eaten? Do you know the, <laughs> do you know the candy? That person doesn't like candy. Anyways, do you like, um, have you ever had runts? Do you know the candy I'm talking about? Yeah, runts? yeah, yeah. Okay. So runts, uh, for those that haven't had it, is a bunch of different fruit-shaped and flavored candies. And there was one in there that I think most people eat last or not at all, which is the banana runt. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because um, I was confusing eat- them with, with nerds for a second, but they're runts. Oh, no, runs. Yeah. So yeah. they're di- different flavors, but banana, like nobody likes the banana ones. It's oh, I love so- a banana. What? Are you just being yeah. contrary? No, I like, I thought, um, I thought everyone kept it till the end because they love it. You know, <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, eat this at the end. So it's great. Banana ones uh, are awesome. Oh boy. Wow. <laughs> um, I, you just changed my world. I don't, I don't even know how to go on, but anyways, so let me ask you this question. Have you ever eaten a banana runt and thought, it doesn't actually taste like a banana. Yeah. Okay. So I learned on a podcast, you know, this little meta because we're on a podcast here. I learned the reason for that um, is that like there used to be a different variety of banana that apparently either doesn't exist or is quite rare right now. Mm-hmm. And that flavoring was based on that banana, whereas the bananas that we eat that you might get at a grocery store have a different flavor to them. So that's my fun fact for today, Aaron. Did you know that oh. already? I, I I didn't know that about um, run specifically, but I knew there okay. was different bananas that yeah. we like. No, we no longer have like banana diversity. They've been lost to history. Yeah, there was like some diseases or something, and we did we did some breeding to make sure they they handled it. And now, like, we only have one strain of banana, and like, yeah. if something goes wrong, there's no more bananas. Game over. And, and I just thought, like, what about all the bread that we wouldn't have then? <laughs> banana bread <laughs> that's true yeah well isn't it like skittles or something like that too all taste the same even though they're different colors <laughs> i would i wouldn't be surprised yeah who can tell it's so sweet that like after the first two or three you're just like ah this just tastes like bad decisions <laughs> exactly <laughs> and a lot of people hacking different web apps and taking sites down and stealing information but i don't want that to happen to you Head over to our website. We have a free ebook, Seven Steps to Securing Your Laravel App. Go to masteringlaravel.io/slash/security to download it today.